Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Welcome to Clash of the Craniums. We've got some live interactive uh, anatomy trivia tonight. We did this just a few months ago uh, with some rousing success. People very excited to get their hands, to get your grubby little phalanges on some anatomy trivia, and you wanted it again. So many of you uh, reached out. We tried to improve the uh, the quality of the stream. We're working on it. We're working through it. Got this like Secret Service earpiece thing in. I don't even know what I'm doing with that. Uh, but the goal tonight is to have you walk away a little more confident, feel a little more competent in your uh, area of anatomy study as you prepare for, I don't know, an anatomy test in PT or PTA school. Or as you get close to, ooh, the dreaded NPTE. It's not as scary as you, as I thought. I was very afraid of the NPTE as I was getting close. Uh, the rules of the game tonight, as Julie says, let's go. Julie's excited. I like that graphic there too, Julie. Uh, Anthony's saying hi. I see Anthony and Julie have already figured out. This is not one of those classes where we want you to be quiet. We want you to get nice and loud. And since we can't have you all in the studio, feel free to get loud in the questions or comment sections in any of the social media platforms that you're watching or listening from. We will also re-release this episode online via podcast. We're going to do it through our sister podcast. Everybody knows about PT Pinecast. And some of you know about the secret podcast we launched not long ago and that podcast is called npte studycast npte studycast is designed super short quick episodes that will help prepare you for that npte exam so we're going to be sharing it via that channel which you can subscribe to for free as rob wilkerson says let's go with a lot of o's and i like the enthusiasm appreciate that all right so uh let's bring in my partner in crime the batman to my robin professor matt condo matt welcome back to the studio jimmy how are you how are you i'm doing uh i'm doing all right i'm pumped for this you are our resident expert tell everybody about you and what you get to do professionally Ooh, so I teach at Methodist University in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and I am the anatomy instructor along with a couple other courses, and I just welcomed in a brand new group of first-year students who are well-represented on this um, trivia night, so I'm real proud to have them with us. And, you know, this is our second episode. And we made a ton of improvements over the first episode and really excited to get this rolling. All right. I want to know where those students are from. We're seeing how many people are uh, are logged into the stream, and that's great. Samantha is saying, woo, three O's. That's pretty good enthusiasm. I would have liked to see a, a couple more uh, O's there. Uh, Kathleen saying, go Springfield College. I did a live podcast at Springfield College a few years back. Maybe eventually I'll get back up there as well. Tommy's saying there, I'm guessing he's one of your first-year students. Mm -hmm. Smart if you're a student. In, in one of Matt's classes, smart for the bonus points. I mean, just saying you're going to show up to your professor's thing. He sees your name pop up. That I'm just going to say if there's ever a jump ball, um, that would help is all, is all I'm going to say. 
without a doubt, without a doubt. All right. So you want to walk everybody through what, what they can expect or what things are coming up. So it's going to be a little bit of trivia is going to be a little bit of basic anatomy and it's going to be a little bit of in between. So we have 12 questions set up for everyone tonight. The way it's going to work is going to be multiple choice. Select the answer that you think is correct. And then afterwards, we'll go through a small explanation of why that answer is the correct answer. Yeah. Uh, last time we, we, we did like 56 questions in 90 minutes. Uh, what we heard from you is you really wanted us to go a little bit further in depth with the lies behind the correct or incorrect answers. So we're going to make sure we dive in there as well. I got to point out this. University of Scranton uh, represented the Electric City, home of the office. I spent seven years in Scranton working at a radio station. So, Julie, treat the Electric City very, very well. Uh, I like to see the diversity, not just, you know, from your home uh, alma mater right there where you teach. I'm seeing Michigan. I'm seeing Shenandoah. Uh, we're, I'm guessing this is another one of your students is there. Springfield College. MU represented. I'm not sure what MU is. Uh, oh, MU Methodist University. Got that. Um, so without further ado, and you know how much I like a do, uh, Matt, uh, I say we get this thing uh, underway. So here's how this is going to work. We're going to use the platform called Mentimeter. So on whatever device you are watching from, open another tab, or if you want to use your, your your mobile device to play along, I, I like to, to suggest to use that mobile device. It's in your hand. It feels like a control. It feels like a signaling device. At the top of the live stream, you'll see the instructions. Log on to menti.com. That is M-E-N-T-I dot com. And it's going to ask for a code because everything asks for a code. At least it doesn't ask if you're a robot. I always get nervous that I'm going to answer the the capture question wrong. Uh, <laughs> enter that code 7467 four six one four it's an eight digit code as we watch a bunch of you logging in there menti.com use that code seven four six seven four six one four as we've got a bunch of you guys logging in i'm liking to see the diversity and where people are coming in from go blue as we shout out the university of kentucky last time we're going to shout it out now menti.com 7467-4614 as we get ready to dive into the clash of the craniums. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to work the same way we did last time, which is the faster you answer, the more points you'll get if, of course, you answered correctly. Isn't that the way we're doing it? I believe so. I believe so. Well, that, uh, that background music can mean only one thing as we see a few more people logging in, more than 65 of you. Menti.com, use that code 7467-4614. And I think we're ready to go. So I, uh, All right. I'm going to turn it over to Matt. Matt, time to go for question number one Okay, on the screen. Let's do this thing. So which of the following muscles is a downward rotator of the scapula? Is it the rhomboid major, lower trapezius, or upper trapezius? All right. Think, think. I see a lot of you doing what I did in school, which is start touching the muscle. Uh, which of these muscles, downward rotator of the scapula, rhomboid major, lower trap, upper trap, lock in your answer choices now. Ooh. So here we go. Let's look at the right answer. Right answer is going to be rhomboid major. 
So let's think about it. So upper trapezius and lower trapezius work in a force couple, and they both upwardly rotate the scapula. Rhomboid major, because of its attachment on the medial or vertebral border of the scapula and its oblique fiber orientation, if you take that muscle and contract it from its insertion to its origin, it's actually going to downwardly rotate the scapula just a little, little bit. So the correct answer there is going to be the rhomboid major is a downward rotator. Lower trapezius is an upward rotator. All right. So lock that in. Um, I always used to start feeling really bad when I got questions wrong on practice tests, but look at it this way. You got it wrong in a safe environment. You're not going to get this one wrong again. So 28 of you thought lower trapezius. Now you know it's rhomboid major. You're not going to make that mistake again. Exactly. Exactly. Right. It's a great safe environment. It's a great analogy. All right. Uh, All right. Let's move to question number two. Which of the following muscles is known as a lat's little helper? All right. Which of the following muscles is known as the lat's little helper? Is it the teres minor, the teres major, or is it the subscapularis? Lat's little helper. Like Santa's little helper. That's what I think of. Lock in those answer choices. We're seeing 55 of you jump in for Terry's major. What do we think about that, Matt? I think they're exactly right, right? So Terry's major and lats have the same exact actions. And we think about it, latissimus dorsi is a much bigger muscle than the Terry's major. But since they have both of the same action profile, the lats little helper is going to be the Terry's major. So very good. Perfect. All right. So I'm, I'm guessing everybody's going to feel a little bit better. I'm seeing some uh, some chatter in the chat saying, OK, I feel better about that one because it was pretty much dead even uh, for that first question. Correct and incorrect answers. That's hey, question. You know that's OK. That is OK. Right. We're here Safe to learn. Space, everybody. Safe space. Right. Let's move along. Question number three. All right. A patient suffers from a laceration of the quadrangular space in the posterior shoulder. Which of the following arteries would be compromised? A blood supply question. Quadrangular space, posterior shoulder. Are we going circumflex scapular, axillary, or posterior circumflex humeral artery? Time's up. What do we think about those responses? I think those responses show me that our students, for the majority, have been studying their blood supply and their anatomic spaces very, very well. So when you think about it, the circumflex scapular artery is going to be the blood supply that's located or the structure that's located in the triangular space, right? Axillary artery is not located in any of those spaces, being the triangular space, the quadrangular space, or the triceps interval. And the posterior circumflex humeral artery is located in the quadrangular space. And the way I remember it is that the triangular space has three sides. Its content has three words, circumflex scapular artery. The quadrangular space has four sides. It has one more structure than the triangular space being the axillary artery and its blood supply posterior circumflex humeral artery has one more word. So one more side, one more item, one more word. 
I like those. Those little nuggets that you're going to be rem- remembering and mumbling to yourself while you're taking an anatomy test or the NPTE. Those are the types of things that get me through the day. <laughs> me too. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our next question with Clash of the Craniums. What does the word glenoid mean in Latin? Ooh, glenoid in Latin. I took Latin. I don't know if I know this. You you can't get through one of my trivia nights without some Latin, Jimmy. You know that. <laughs> All right. What are the options uh, for, uh, for people to choose from? So shoulder, socket, or arm. The word glenoid means socket. That's all it means. I thought right? you didn't know. All right. So my glenohumeral joint literally is where my arm goes into the socket. I'll be honest, when I took anatomy, I took it with with actually a nun. Uh, I took AMP1 with a nun, and uh, she did mention that, listen, a lot of these anatomy things, they're, they're in Latin and they're simple. And I said, well, give me an example. And she said, well, foramen magnum. I said, okay, what's that mean? And she's like, it means big hole. Yep. So on the test, look for the big hole. And that's when I sort of felt stupid, but I learned from there. Well, and that's exactly what I tell my students. You know, you have to remember the original anatomists simply named everything based on their language, right? They named everything without YouTube, without Google, right? Without even running water or electricity or lights. So they literally just named everything based on what it looked like, where it was, or what it did. Okay. All right, let's let's progress the screen. Let's see if we can do that. So, Matt, I'm not sure what you're seeing on Mentimeter. On my screen, I'm not seeing the Mentimeter screen right now. Ooh. Yeah, so it's just popping up. So we got a little bit of a lag happening. So which portion of the glenohumeral capsule is stretched during external rotation? Anterior, posterior, or inferior? All right. Which portion of the glenohumeral capsule stretched during external rotation? Anterior, posterior, inferior? Lock in your answer choices. Jimmy, you're going to be super duper proud of this group. Look at those results. Wow. Could not slip that one past them. That is so, probably yeah. the uh, the one question we've had the most correct answers on. I like that. They knew that. I, I'm proud of these guys, right? So they're studying their arthrokinematics. They know their convex, concave rules and roll and slide. And it's fantastic to see. Perfect. All right, walk us through this one. You know, maybe like just give us a, a, a little bit of a picture to wrap their head around it to solidify it. Sure, absolutely. So, external rotation is going to be a motion where the glenohumeral joint, okay, so the convex surface, aka the head of the humerus, is going to roll posteriorly because with convex surfaces, the roll is going to be the same direction as the bone movement, right? So, my humerus is moving backwards or posteriorly my humeral head is going to roll posteriorly but when a convex surface is moving the slide will be in the opposite direction as we know so if i'm performing external rotation i'm going to have a posterior roll of the humerus and an anterior slide 
So the glenohumeral capsule portion that'll get stretched is going to be the anterior portion simply because the head of the humerus is sliding anteriorly into that capsule. Perfect. I like that. Well done. 65 of you uh, getting that one correct. Let's move on to the next question here on Clash of the Craniums. All right. Give it a read. It's not yet up yet on my okay. screen, man, so you got to take that away. Patient suffers an injury to the axillary nerve. Which of the following motions will be most likely affected? Your answer choices are abduction, abduction, internal rotation, or flexion. All right, lock in those answer choices. What do you think? See no. if you can visualize it. Jimmy, you're going to be proud of him again. Wow. So 55 got abduction correct. Wow, right? so, well done. So think about what the axillary nerve innervates, right? The axillary nerve is going to innervate my deltoid. That's going to be the big one. And it's also going to innervate Terry's minor. So of the given choices, abduction will be the only motion that the axillary nerve would actually create or the muscle that it would innervate, right? So internal rotation is going to be mostly my subscapularis along with a little bit of pec major. That is not, neither one of those muscles are innervated by the axillary nerve. And flexion is going to be things like my anterior delt, coracobrachialis, and biceps brachii. And my anterior delt is not going to be nearly forceful enough to really have an effect there. So flexion's out as well. So abduction is going to be our answer. Sounds good. Abduction. Honestly, we got to go back to the Latin here. Uh, who was naming two things like push and pull and adduction and abduction so closely? I would like to throw a flag on that because it was very confusing going through PT school with ad and abduction so close. And I agree. And that's exactly why when I teach my class, I say abduction and a deduction because I don't want anybody to get confused, especially, you know, I'm teaching class with a mask on at this point. They can't see oh, my lips. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're going to be doing this throughout the season. The goal is to do one of these events per month, changing up uh, maybe the different areas. Maybe we'll do some different body systems. So a great review, uh, but you'll never miss an episode if you subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Let's move to the next question. What does the word fossa mean in Latin? Here's another Latin question for you. Yeah. Does it mean flat? Does it mean bump? Or does it mean ditch? Fossa. What does fossa mean in Latin? Lock in your answer choices. Wow, look at that. 54. Got it correct. So fossa in Latin literally means ditch. And if we think about it, think about a, a word that we're very commonly associated with. Fossa is fossil, right? So a fossa is just a big impression into a rock of an animal or a shell or something like that, right? So yeah, fossa means ditch. Easy to remember once you figure out that Latin stuff. See, paying attention in school, kids. It actually helps you when you're an adult. All right, Fossa, looking like that ditch. All right, let's move on. Next question here in Clash of the Craniums. 
And what do we got? A patient suffers from an occlusion of the subscapular artery, which artery will provide blood to the inferior angle of the scapula. Question another, number eight. Another blood supply question. Is it the dorsal scapular artery? Is it the thoracodorsal artery or is it the axillary artery? All right. Think about where you are. Think about your area. Which artery provide blood to the inferior angle of that scapula? Lock in your answer choices. Yep. And that's fantastic. That's going to be the dorsal scapular artery. Now, the thoracodorsal artery is a branch off of the subscapular artery. So an occlusion to the subscapular artery is also going to provide an occlusion to the thoracodorsal artery. Because if we think about it, if there's no blood getting through the subscapular, then there's going to be no blood getting through the thoracodorsal. But at the inferior angle of the scapula, this, the dorsal scapular artery and the thoracodorsal artery anastomose, right? They come together. So the dorsal scapular artery is still able to provide blood to that particular section. And they're doing well. This has got to be worth some sort of bonus points for your students, right? Since they're showing up and they're doing really well. I don't know. I'm trying to help you here, kids. <laughs> I can only speak for my students. I can't speak for the students, you know, say from the University of Michigan. I don't know what their anatomy professor wants to do with them. I'll write you a note. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give us a nice review. I'll write you a note. Don't worry. About <laughs> there we go. It. There we go. Question. Question number nine. All right. What do we got? Which one of the following muscles is responsible for the first 15 degrees of shoulder abduction? Is it the deltoid? Is it the supraspinatus or is it the infraspinatus? All right. Lock in those answer choices. What do you think? We've got a secret announcement, too, coming up at the end of trivia. I want to make sure people know about a secret resource. First is NPTE StudyCast, but that's not a secret because we mentioned that as we check out the results here. What do we got? So 60 respondents were correct. The supraspinatus is going to be the muscle responsible for the first 15 degrees of shoulder abduction. So deltoid is going to be responsible for shoulder abduction, but after the first 15 degrees. And that's simply because of the vector and the moment arm at each of those muscles. So supraspinatus is just in a little better position based on its attachment into the uh, superior facet of the greater tubercle of the humerus to provide the first 15 degrees of shoulder abduction. Perfect. I'm liking to see. I feel like we were off at a rocky start with question number one, but they have rebounded and rebounded well. Question number one was tough. All right, let's move on next. What do we got here on Clash of the Craniums? Which of the following nerves, if not functioning, would cause the medial border of the scapula to protrude from the thorax during a push-up? Is it the long thoracic mean? nerve? Is it the axillary nerve or is it the accessory nerve? This one smells this one smells like an NPTE question. Like it just it's dripping of NPTE possibilities. This is a big time NPTE question. All right, let's see how we're looking. We're looking good. So 60 responded that the long thoracic nerve is going to be the nerve that's implicated here. And that is correct. So remember, the long thoracic nerve is going to be the nerve that is responsible for the serratus anterior. If the serratus anterior is not functioning, we're going to see medial winging. If the accessory nerve 
is not functioning. That innervates our trapezius num uh, excuse me, trapezius muscle, and that will um, actually present as lateral winging. So what I always say is long thoracic nerve, serratus anterior, medial winging, accessory nerve, trapezius, lateral winging. Perfect. Lock those in. That feels like a very, very uh, easy NPT or anatomy uh, test question. Let's move on to the next one here in Clash of the Craniums. What do we got? A patient is unable to abduct, laterally rotate, and flex the shoulder. Which injury is the most likely cause of these deficits? Injury to the C5-C6 spinal nerve, injury to the C8-T1 spinal nerves, or injury to the C7 spinal nerve? Nerves, muscles, bones, blood supply. These are the things you got to pay attention. Put them in context if you're making up questions for yourself. And how do you think our students are going to do? What do we have on the board coming up? 59 got it correct. That is fantastic. So think about it. So where does C5 and C6 go? It forms nerves like my axillary nerve. It forms nerves like my suprascapular nerve. It actually forms two-thirds of my musculocutaneous nerve. So an injury to the C5 or C6 spinal nerves would affect all of those motions, abduction, lateral or external rotation, and flexion. Perfect. All right. How many questions we have left here tonight? We have one left. Final question. Final question. On Clash of Dreams. Let's do it. All the marbles. All right. What do we got? A patient displays tenderness lateral to the acromion and has pain when performing abduction. Which of the following muscles is most likely involved? Subscapularis, supraspinatus, or teres minor. All right. Last question of the night. Don't mess this up. Lock in those answer choices. Good quick review here on Clash of the Craniums. Want to thank Matt and all your students, plus all the students from all around the country jumping in here. Absolutely. What do we got on the screen here? What do we say? So 54 got it correct that the supraspinatus is going to be the muscle implicated there. So if I have tenderness lateral, lateral to the acromion and pain performing abduction, of the given choices, supraspinatus is going to be the correct choice because supraspinatus lies in the, the suprascapular fossa. I can palpate it just lateral to the acromion. I can palpate the tendon. And of the given choices, that is the only muscle that performs abduction. Perfect. All right. Are we able to tabulate and see who the winner is? And we'll tell you the winner tonight. Uh, I will volunteer to record your voicemail greeting. I'll say anything you want. It's almost like cameo. I'll do that for you. This is priceless. I'm not selling this anywhere. You cannot buy it. Uh, winner tonight, your very own voicemail voiced by us. So it looks like Kaylee R is our winner. Kaylee R. Kaylee, if you're still on the live stream, I'd love for you to drop in the chat uh, where you're going to PT school. Let us know what year and uh, drop us an email address. Let me know what you'd like me to record for you and your voicemail greeting. I'll, I'll punch it up a little bit with some sound effects. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel to get this and other great study content as we continue to do this uh, throughout the year. The goal is to get one of these nights per month. Let us know which content areas you'd like us to focus on as well. 
We've got that uh, resource as well as NPTE StudyCast, that free podcast as well. And Matt, you and I had talked about this very briefly. Here's that secret resource. We're going to be flipping some of the questions from this and some that don't make it onto the show onto an Amazon Alexa skill. So all you've got to do, you can take your uh, your anatomy and NPTE studying with you if you just say, hey, Alexa, open physical therapy quiz. And she will then, as you walk around the house and, and clean your room, uh, she will provide you with anatomy and physical therapy content. So try that other resource as we try to create really cool things for you to study with. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the takeaway message is no excuses, right? At no this excuses. point, studying is more accessible than it ever has been. I love that. All right, Matt, I appreciate uh, appreciate the effort. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, congratulations to our winners and the rest of you guys uh, for doing great. We'll see you guys again next month. Don't be a stranger. Let us know what resources we can create for you to help you on your PT journey. Thank you, Jimmy. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.